0: You're listening to Dentistry's Growing with Grace podcast. I'm Grace Rizza, and so excited to be here today with my dear friend, Dr. Roy Shelburne. Hi, Roy. Hi,
1: Grace. How are you?
0: I'm good. Thanks for sharing your genius with our audience today.
1: No, I have no genius. I'll share my opinion.
0: (laughs) No. No, No, you've got a lot of genius, especially around today's topic, um, which is trends in reimbursement. And I'm going to start this off by prefacing the information with, I don't know anything about this, so it should be fun.
1: Unfortunately, there are a lot of dentists who can say the same thing. I don't know anything about reimbursement because they actually offload that to a team member and that can be good or bad. So we'll be talking a little bit today about the good, the bad, the ugly, try to give people insight about what's happening trends that I see so they'll be armed and dangerous when it comes to their reimbursement issues.
0: I love it. I love it. So um, let's pretend that I'm a new owner of a dental practice. All right. I don't know anything about this. Yeah. Where's a good place for me to start and how much do I need to know?
1: Oh, excellent question. And to be honest with you, it's not necessarily a new owner. It can be a long-term owner. They've offloaded that to a team member. They know nothing about reimbursement. So uh, number one, understand that the doctor is ultimately responsible for what is done on their behalf. So when the claims are submitted, when things are coded, when things are billed, whether the doctor is aware of it or not, they're ultimately responsible for everything that is submitted on their behalf because their name is on the claim form. It specifies that everything on that claim form is accurate. And in the event that it's not accurate, that doctor is the one who will be ultimately required to pay the, the whatever the issue is associated with that inappropriate claim. So, you know, hey, I, hyper. Exactly. There's there's no, I didn't know. Um, Ignorance is no excuse. Um, You, just as if you need to know about HIPAA and OSHA, those rules and regulations for those of us who have been in practice for a number of years didn't exist. We're still responsible for making sure that we maintain those regulations. Same thing as far as the billing and coding goes. Doctors may not know anything about it. So they need to understand that Whether or not they know anything about it, they're ultimately responsible for. So number one, for a new practice owner, a business owner who does not know a lot about the insurance industry is either learn or engage somebody who is. Training for team members is very important. So can you offload that to a trusted team member? You absolutely can, but you need to know and be able to trust that individual to understand those rules and regulations, the ins and outs of insurance submissions so that it's being done correctly and consistently. You know, I'm all about making sure that doctors get reimbursed the maximum amount legitimately, leaving nothing on the table, but also doing it in a way that they don't run the risk of going to prison like somebody else we may know.
0: Well, and I I hate to use the word audit because I don't want to create any PTSD here, but we can run our own audits in our businesses. And one of the things I do in my business is I record all the phone calls. And if ever, you know, a client comes and says, well, your team promised me this or that. I'm like, okay, let me re- let me review that conversation. And then they're like, oh, oh, well, I don't know for sure if that's what they said. Like that always changes the conversation pretty quickly. But um, keeping excellent records, keeping track of everything that you do, and then just having a proactive, regular audit that you can even have someone on the outside come in and say, hey, am I doing this properly?
1: Yeah, not only is that a good idea, it also is mandated in the event that you um, accept money from any plans that are reimbursed in any amount by government funding. So that not only includes Medicare and Medicaid, those are almost entirely uh, supported by government funded, but also if you see federal employees, if you see dependent of active duty military, if you see individuals who are um, in, reimbursed by the Affordable Health Care Act plans, all those to some degree are reimbursed by government funding. And there's a seven-step compliance program that's mandated that you have in your practice so that you are compliant. And I, when I lecture around, I ask people, oh, how many have that seven-step compliance program in their office and they're working it? And I've had one individual and all the lectures I've done raised their hand and said, yes, we have that plan. And I asked, sir, can you tell me what were the circumstances that you adopted that plan? He said we were audited and found it out. it was mandatory that we need to do that. The audit plan, is it mandatory with, with reimbursement from um, government? It absolutely is. But it's also good to have in the practice just to be able to have a review system to frequently, well, depends on the, the practice and how off you are as far as your billing and coding does, is how often you do that to make sure that you review the documentation to make sure it supports the medical necessity, maximizing reimbursement. If you have all the information in that clinical record, the person who's doing the billing can do it more effective and efficiently, be able to provide the information to in the insurance carrier, but it's a way of going through to evaluate the documentation, the billing and coding, to make sure that there are no opportunities to help increase reimbursement, nothing left on the table, but it also reviews in a way that it will reveal any inadequacies you have in your system, whether you're um, getting regular rejections for a particular claim, or if there's consistent requirement for additional information, if you review that and implement systems to be able to address that, you're going to increase reimbursement And let's face it, you know, when I started in dentistry in 1981, the system was very different. Today it is automated and there are actually magic words that need to be part of that claim for it to be approved. And it's a matter of reviewing consistently to make sure that you're meeting the requirements and that you're providing all the information to get consistent reimbursement. And if you don't review that, you don't know whether or not you're, reimbursements are consistent, whether or not 10% of your claims are rejected. And more importantly, everybody's on the same page to know in the system what they are responsible for as far as capturing or how they submit that in a way that it maximizes the reimbursement. If you don't review that, if you don't do that consistently, you don't get what you expect, you get what you accept. It's kinda like, yeah, if if you aren't consistently reviewing things that are reviewed, Automatically, by nature, will improve.
0: Absolutely. One of the things I want to kind of speak to um, that you said early on that I want to make sure people completely understand is you can't just pass the book and say, Well, my office manager is in charge of this. Um, there's a book called Extreme Ownership, and I think it could be half the length that it is, personally, um, but it's a great concept. It's a book I recommend to any business owner to read, because anything that goes wrong or awry in your business, even if your employee lied to your face, even if you asked, it's all your responsibility, 100% your responsibility. So if you're kind of sitting there listening to this going, oh no, Cindy or Nancy or so-and-so, they're an expert, they've got this handled, I'm gonna bury my head in the sand like an ostrich, you are responsible ultimately. And you're, you're the person who is going to take the fall if anything does get discovered. So one of my acronyms that I use all the time with my team is CYA. It, it stands for cover your you-know-what and Assets. cover your ass sets. Assets, yeah. And you need documentation and you need a consistent programs so that you can sleep at night and you can cool. feel that, that this is being handled properly. Um, If you haven't heard Dr. Shelburne speak, sign your team up to hear him speak because hearing Roy's story is important and it will help you take a different perspective just in ownership in general. Uh, I see these, do you see this in Facebook groups? It's, it actually makes my like, it makes me like want to break out in hives when I see people giving advice on this topic. That's, totally illegal and totally wrong. I, I can't even imagine being you and and not just like screaming <laughs> on Facebook, telling all of these people to just be quiet because they're giving false information.
1: I I, yeah, it, I don't resist very often. It's one of those things. I, I think I have the responsibility of speaking now. It's, it's really kind of interesting when people are absolutely wrong and they suggest that I don't know what I'm talking about. And I'll, I'll message them. And I'll say, okay, I understand you may have some concerns about my knowledge, but I send them to where they need to go. And it's kind of like, they come back, it's like, Oh, sorry. But it, it, it is, you know, you, you think you know what you know, but you, you have to invest the time, the energy and effort to become an expert at what you're doing. It's not something you can just because something gets paid. Does it mean it's right and proper? No. And a lot of people are getting, giving advice, how to get paid. If it's done inappropriately, you may get paid, but if you're audited in the event that you're found that you're doing things inappropriate, are you going to send money back? Absolutely. You know, radiographs are a huge issue that insurance companies think is they're being abused. Number one, they need to be medically necessary. Sometimes when I audit the record will say x-rays are not due and My hope is when I ask the person who made that document, or made that notation, when I ask them, what does it mean uh, the x-rays are not due? They say, well, the doctors reviewed the patient's history, the risk factors, and has determined at this point, the patient would not benefit from the radiographs. When I ask the person the question, what does it mean that x-rays are not due? The answer I always get is, well, the insurance is not gonna pay for them. So do you provide work based on whether or not the insurance is gonna pay for it? You'll never meet standard of care if you do that. So number one, they need to be medically necessary. Number two, they need to be clinically acceptable. I see practices who will bill for an x-ray because they were taken, but when you look at them, they're cone cut or twisted or there's overlap. They do not meet the requirements. And I asked them, have you billed for this? Yes, we took the bite wing. This bite wing, does it show anything appropriate that a bite wing should show? Well, no, but we took it. That bite wing is a worthless service that you build for. And if you've done that and been paid for it, you've committed insurance fraud and their wow. eyes get kind of big. It's kind of like, seriously? Yes. And in fact, for an example, there's a doctor who submitted a claim for a, it was a crown. They'd sent a periapical X-ray in and the periapical they sent in was not a really good one. It did meet standard of care. And the doctor who reviewed that looked at the X-ray and said, Hmm, I think if they think this is diagnostic, I wonder if we do an audit, what we're going to find. So they audited the practice. They looked at 15 patient records. Of the 15 patients, the radiographs that were taken were 10% were non-diagnostic. They weren't good films. So what this insurance company did went over the course of six years, looked at the amount this doctor was reimbursed over the six-year period for all the radiographs and asked for 10% of the x-rays back. And if you're in network, you are required to do that. If you're out of network, if you're audited, there's a good chance you're responsible for that as well. This doctor wrote a check back to the insurance carrier for $72,000 for billing for radiographs that are non-diagnostic. And those are things that I see typically. You think, okay, I took the x-ray, look at the x-ray and go, hmm, that shows me nothing. And they'll go, yeah, but I took it. Yeah, but that's a worthless service.
0: So there's, there's a doctor somewhere right now going, I don't have time for this. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna cross my fingers and hope it doesn't happen to me. What's a realistic way to implement something in your practice to where you can really like stay on top of this? Mm-hmm. And, and there's turnover in any yeah. business, there's turnover. Right. How are you gonna make sure that your team is meeting the, the credentials?
1: Well, number one, you have to set your expectations. So the doctor needs to sit down with every team member who is responsible for taking those radiographs and establish what is considered acceptable. Most should know if you've gone through the process, you've been trained, there is a proficiency that you needed to take to be able to be licensed to be able to take those radiographs. So if you have that criterion established, this is what I, I expect for appropriate radiographs. We'll accept nothing other. And then when the doctor, doctor's going to have to review all the radiographs, needs to understand they're going to have to ha- hold that individual responsible for it. And beyond that, I, I encourage, in most practices, most team members understand what's clinically acceptable, and they may take a film and they'll look at it and go, okay, this doesn't meet the requirement. They take another one, and in some cases, it's worse than the first one. They take the third one, and it's perfect. Yeah. The doctor never aware of the number one and number two. Yeah. They're, they understand what's expected. So the doctor only sees the good one, but who does, who does understand they had three films taken to get one good one? The patient. So I encourage practices to implement and adopt a code in the practice for non-diagnostic radiographs and you can review those so that the team member is held accountable. You don't punish them, but if they don't, if they aren't consistent in taking appropriate radiographs, that's a, that's a teaching opportunity.
0: Absolutely. Uh,
1: it's Like Mary, um, you know, I understand that your um, your failure rate is is twenty percent. Let's go ahead and see if we can increase that. Let's work. What do we need to give you? What training do you need to have to elevate this? So it's an opportunity to to grow. So it's not a punishment thing. But, there but you, you know
0: that that um, employee could run out of the room crying because they're perfectionist. And uh, and I will say, and I I want to just break this down because when you're a business owner, you sometimes have to get bad news you sometimes have to tell someone that their level of, of quality isn't meeting your expectations and come up with an improvement plan and this is where i see the dentists having a really hard time sometimes is they don't want to be the bad guy they work so closely with their team that they try to always be positive and really sometimes the business needs someone to come in and say this is what needs to break it guy.
1: up a little bit so it, it the doctor's not the bad guy yeah um I would also like to interject something that that worked for me and works in the practices that implement. When you have an issue that the doctor's concerned with, the first question to that team member was, you know, I, I, I see this occurring. Tell me, is there something I can do to help you? Give that person feedback. They could say, well, you know, the, the positioners, they're, they're not the best. I, could you give me a, another one? Or could we... Um, instead of using this, could we develop or this type of equipment, give the patient or give the the team member an opportunity to give feedback before you give negative answers. You may not give that team member enough time to be able to get that image the way they need to. The equipment could be old or something could be going on. So always give that person the opportunity to give feedback. You know, doctor, I could do that, but this is the, the issue I have. Don't, don't assume that that person is bad or that they are inept, give them an opportunity to give feedback. And then if there is something that you need to provide them own it as owner doctor and say, okay, I understand. Sorry, let's go ahead and see if we can do this or this, or this type of positioning system to kind of help you through the process. Thank you for sharing that. We'll be rather than going, you can't take the right X-ray here.
0: Sometimes you have those conversations and nothing changes. And that one person is kind of, a little bit defiant, wants to do things their own way, thinks you're wrong, and sometimes you have to get that toxicity out of your practice. You do. Um, I think more doctors are, are more apt to have those kind conversations and to say, what happened here? Is it a time issue? Is it an equipment issue? What happened here? But then they see, okay, but how come all the other people who take these x-rays, these radiographs, they have no issues, and it's you know, then you start to kind of, and and it's when that really hard conversation, those difficult conversations that need to be had. I'm going to make it easy for them. Yeah, let's do it.
1: If that individual is inept and unable to do that, whose butt is on the line? That's doctor, that is you. So if you allow that individual to stay in your practice, who is not capable to meet the standard and you don't address it, first by try to remediate, try to give them an opportunity to improve. And if they can't do it, I'm the first one that says they need to be gone because they're jeopardizing you, your future, your license, and most importantly, your patient's health because you're not providing the treatments. So do you need to occasionally drop people to the curb? Yeah. Drop, kick them to the curb.
0: Yeah. Unfortunately it's part of business. It's part of your role. Um, one thing I want to mention, <laughs> I do this on occasion, this book Traction by Gino I ah, Love that. My, my business Bible. Yeah. And in the, getting the right people in the right seats. They talk about three things. You've got to get it, you've got to want it, and you've got to be capable of it. Mm -hmm. And what we're talking about right now is someone who just maybe is not capable, or maybe they don't get it, or maybe they don't want it. But any of those three things, um, if you've really tried, and and one of those things isn't, isn't aligning, sometimes you've got to make some changes.
1: You absolutely do. And to be honest with you, as a leader of the team, your team knows exactly who needs to be there and who's not. They're just waiting for you to step up as the owner and leader to pull the trigger because everybody knows it needs to be done. Everybody knows. And, you know, hire very slowly, be quick to fire. If a person is not able to meet the standards, you've gone through the process, you've tried to train them, give them an opportunity to improve and they don't or can't, they're jeopardizing everybody being in that practice.
0: And I think the fear sometimes of the repercussions of letting someone go who's vocal, who's going to be angry, who's going to be upset, who may be vindictive, all those characteristics, if, if you're worried about that, and you're letting fear dictate your ability to improve your, your practice and your team, um, is that the personality of someone that you really want on your team?
1: Yeah, definitely not. And if you have the proper compliance pieces in place, you make sure you go through the process appropriately If that individual is vindictive and they're gone, you have everything to be able to protect yourself. So Mm -hmm. number one, doctors make sure everything's being done right because they have no leverage that way. They can complain, but they're that, fuck two things about people can you not fix. Stupid and crazy. So it's one of the stupid and crazy. And everybody who sees the person knows it that way. So when they start complaining about this doctor, they go, oh, that's crazy Susie. She's just off again. So just make sure that you have everything in place, all the systems in place, and you work them so that there's no question about that person's ability and their, the way they interact. If they can't meet that expectation, see you, bye.
0: You can't fix stupid, and you or can't crazy. fix crazy.
1: Yeah. Well, medication, maybe. I don't know about You might crazy. be
0: able to fix crazy for a little while. Um, That's
1: true. But the crazy train will always come off the tracks.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I love that like too much you know the worst is when you have both
1: yeah yeah that's that is kind of hard those are those are our patients too you know do you need to keep those patients in your practice I think not you can fire any patient for any reason I wouldn't call them stupid or crazy but why in the world would you deal with those individuals in your practice if they are making everybody nuts you know doctors are fearful they I don't want to lose a patient sometimes it's a great thing to lose a patient
0: Oh, I agree. Oh,
1: that's I agree. the ADD kicking in. I just went someplace 90 well, degrees.
0: And we both we both have ADD kicking in. So that's what makes this fun is that there's no agenda. We're just off-roading here.
1: Yeah, Exactly.
0: Um, so someone who's sitting there thinking, okay, I've never had my team really audited on, on reimbursement, on how we're dealing with insurances. So can you give us a couple of resources as to what would you advise an owner doctor to do like,
1: well, there, there's a couple of things. A doctor can educate themselves, but who wants to do that? You know, it's, is it the most fun educational path? No. Or you can, you can have a consultant come in or, you know, you could actually trade with another owner doctor say, you know, would you, um, be willing to send your billing person in to take a look at the way we do things to find out and trade them back and forth. Because if you have the same person doing the same thing the same way, you continue to get the same results. So a different set of eyes is good. You could do it that way. If you trust the other doctor and put everything in place, you can have a consultant come in that does that for you and can do that consistently every six months. Or you can have a consultant that comes in that trains the team to be able to do that. So. There, there are multiple ways to get to the end result that you need as far as auditing and reviewing things appropriately.
0: Okay, and, and I just wanna encourage everyone who's listening or watching, just set this up, just do this, like absolutely do this. And if you're sitting there thinking, well, how am I gonna get my team on board? I would say, go hear Roy speak, mm-hmm. um, hear Roy's story, and that will put things into perspective and show you how important these items really are for your peace of mind and for your practice so thanks yeah. my pleasure yeah. you have you have an important story and it's it's people need to make an effort to hear it and to make sure that they um, know what they they can learn what they don't know because you, yeah. you don't know what you don't know you know so.
1: my goal is to be the last dental professional that goes to prison for ignorance
0: I like that goal
1: yeah that's a good goal
0: I like it <laughs> and um where, what should we leave people with today?
1: Um, you know, a lot of people, a lot of speakers will say, I don't want to scare you. I'm not that guy. I want to terrify you, but (laughs) I want you also to have the tools necessary to be able to implement. People only change when the pain of staying the same becomes greater than the pain of changing. So I'm here to bring the pain, look at your practice, be cognizant of the fact that there are risks there. Don't be that guy that says, well, I'm, I'm willing to roll the dice. You might find yourself in the crosshairs. I was that guy. I was thought, you know, if I ever got anything I wasn't entitled to, I could return it with any interest and penalties. was never given that option. The best ever option I got to settle was three years in prison and a restitution of $300,000. That was not a good alternative. Um, so don't, don't bury your head in the sand. Don't think it couldn't be me because that was me. You know, I was, I was that guy that said, you know, I live in the middle of nowhere in a practice that's, you know, small and, um, so anybody going to come looking at me? Am I a big fish? No, I'm not. I was wrong. And in today's world, the way insurance companies use auditing and the way they, uh, review submissions, everybody could be at the middle of a controversy.
0: Now question for you, and this is for my just total ignorant yeah. position here. Um, if someone is completely fee for service, are there any, is there anything a fee for service practice could do to make them liable?
1: If they submit a claim on the patient's behalf, okay, then they are responsible for making sure that claim is, is accurate. If they, if they accept no insurance reimbursement at all, if you, um, you treat all the patients the same so that there's no discrimination. No, they as far as the insurance companies, they're not going to, they're not going to come in guns a blazing and take action against. So fee for service, you're immune. There are a few practices that are like that, mostly cosmetic. Um,
0: I've, I've seen very few that don't submit on behalf of pay. So even fee for service, they typically submit. So there is, there, some, is, liability. there is liability there and there's some obligation to still know the rules. Um, and, and even I've seen people, Market in a way that says for non-insured patients or putting out special offers that they're not going to honor, that makes you liable.
1: It is. You're, you're discriminating one group of patients against another. Here you group have insurance. So we're going to treat you this way here. You don't have insurance. We're going to treat you that way. That is fundamentally discrimination. One group against another. Can there be actions? Absolutely. You have to offer the same to all your patients. Otherwise you're going to be considered discriminatory.
0: Well wow, that helps me very much um, and I think this information is very beneficial for our listeners as well. Roy anything you want to leave with our viewers and listeners today?
1: I'm, I want to make myself available if they have questions, concerns, if they want to contact me please don't hesitate a lot of times in an open forum people don't necessarily want to ask that question. I'm always available by email or if you want to text me that's great too. Like I said, my passion is to make sure I am the last one that goes to prison for things they didn't know. So if there's something I can do, information I can provide, I'm all about that. So don't hesitate to contact me if, you know, if you have a a group that you have a study club or uh, a meeting that you feel that you'd benefit from hearing my information, be happy to be sharing that. So just let me know how I can help.
0: Great, thank you. And for those of you listening um, or viewing, what is your email address?
1: It is Roy Shelburne, R-O-Y-S-H-E-L-B-U-R-N-E at gmail.com.
0: Well, that's wonderful. Thank yeah. you so much, Roy. I appreciate everything. And for those of you who don't know Dr. Shelburne, he is one of the most giving, um, just truly supportive people that that I've had influence my career. And when he says he's willing to talk to you and help you, he means it. He's not here to just sell you something or or put you in any sort of direction that is going to be self-serving. He's truly, truly on a mission to protect you. So thank you, Roy. I hope you have a great day. And for all of our viewers and listeners, I'm Grace Rizza, and I'll see you next time.